Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So grab your notes, grab your Bible, grab your journal. We're going to dive in. We are in a series today that I'm super excited about because here's what I think. Here's what I think. I'm going to set this up. I think we are going to begin a conversation today that is really going to help a lot of people. And some of you guys, I know you, you need some help. So just, just check in, Okay. And I'm really excited about this. We have embedded the name of the series into really what I want to talk about. We want to talk about what it looks like to have a life that is resilient. So um, let me, let me, a moment of confession. I have a pastoral intuition that many of us are in a struggle. That many of us are going through some things that um, in some ways feel like other things we've gone through and in some ways don't. They feel different, extra, above. When I was first beginning ministry, uh, I had the privilege to learn from some people far ahead of me who were godly men who poured into my life. And they, they gave me a picture of what I was saying yes to. I was a young guy, just a young, very good-looking surfer. <laughs> At least the surfer's part is true. And, um, and I was feeling God's call, calling on my life to full-time Christian ministry. And I had some guys begin to pour into my life. And one of the guys that I really remember that was just such an influence in my life, his name was Bill Henson. He's in heaven this morning. I always say, Jesus, tell Bill I said hello, you know. And uh, Bill told me, he said, as a pastor, he said, Dale, you're going to have to learn a really important thing. You're going to have to learn to walk slowly enough through a crowd that you can hear their heartbeat. Because you're going to be ministering the grace and the gospel and the good news of Jesus to people who are really struggling. And you should never, he said, never take that for granted. And uh, in fact, he had a little poem that he said that is a, like a trigger for his own memory. And he said it to me more than once. And I, I'm, I made it my own and I've remembered it. And he said this. He said, my prayer often when I'm in ministry with people, he said, is this. He said, I pray, Lord, give me eyes lest I as some will might walk past someone's calvary Calvary being the hill upon which Jesus died, right? Give me eyes lest I, as some will, should walk by someone's Calvary and call it just a hill. And that's been an impression for me that I've never forgotten. Uh, That there are these times in life, there are these moments in life where a lot of us are fighting heavy battles. There's some stuff going on right now in our world. There's some stuff going on in, in, in our lives. And, um, and I've been praying about this for a while uh, and sharing with our teaching team. M- many of y'all know we, have a, we, we do our work together as pastors on a teaching team. We don't do sermons like rentasermon.com. 
We don't, we don't do that. Sometimes people, you'll ask me, you'll go, where do you get your sermons from? Like I get it in the mail or something, you know? Um, we don't do that. But what we do do is we read and we study and we pray and we get together and we talk and deliberate and we, we fashion these things together. And I've been having a conversation with our teaching team saying, I want to have a conversation about spiritual resilience. Because my pastoral um, intuition tells me that right now, where a lot of us are running, we're running hot. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, and, and connected to my pastoral intuition uh, is what I would call a pastoral suspicion. Can I give it to you? Here it is. Many of us don't know how to really access the Christian truth in a way that makes the promises of God possible in our lives. We hear it. We talk about it. You'll come on Sunday. Hopefully, we'll mention it. But I think many of us, we may not actually know how to get in on it. And, and, and when that happens in religious environments, bad stuff can happen. Um. Here's, some, here's what can happen. We can pretend. You know, you come in, you, get, you learn the spiritual vibe. You learn how to get the right posture. I had an aunt. I took her to my church when I was growing up. And a lot of us, I came from a, more of a charismatic background. And a lot of us are raising hands in worship. And she'd never see, seen that before. And I got her home at lunch. We're having lunch. And she goes, she goes I liked the service, she said. I could not figure out what everybody was pointing at. She didn't know, and nobody told her. I mean, these are just people just giving their hearts and their lives to Christ. You know, we can fake it, or, or worse, you can, you can start thinking that the promises of God are this spiritual platitude that does that there's not a lot behind it. And then you step back in your faith. We're living in an era, we say it every now and again, people are, are deconstructing their Christian faith. I've never read a deconstruction story where they've actually experienced the authentic gospel of Jesus and have stepped back from it because it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Instead, what I see is people who have a form of the gospel that denies the power, like Paul talked about, and then circumstance hits that. You've taken all this stuff out of your religious drawer, fashioned it together like, you know, Apollo 13, Houston, we have a problem. It doesn't make any sense. And you give up. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that the power of God in a, in, in a human soul that allows us to prevail and persevere and overcome and endure all of what life will throw at you. And life is throwing some stuff right now. Have you seen it? Do you feel it? It's in the room. And, and, and so my pastoral intuition is I feel that. And my pastoral suspicion would be not every one of us knows how to get in on it 
because we just know these religious things. We're like the little boy who went to Sunday school. I don't know if you've heard this. And his family was new to Sunday school. And they went to Sunday school. And he's in there. And he's learning about all this religious stuff. And the teacher stands up in front of the class. She goes, listen, I want to have something really important I want to share with you all. And, and to start off today, I'm going to ask you a question. She goes, what is brown? What is furry? What has a big furry tail? What climbs trees and gathers nuts in the fall? And the little boy turned to the girl next to him and said, you know, because we're at church, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> and I think some of us come in here and we just go, the answer is Jesus, but we don't, we don't really know how to like make sense of that. And so the struggle is real. And so here's what I want to do. I want to strip all of that down. And I want to have an ex- a conversation with our church around spiritual resilience. Um, I've been collecting some comments uh, that I've heard over the last couple of years when I've met with many of you. And I also meet with people outside of the church uh, because they know I'm a pastor and I've just been here so long. You know, I talked earlier about the seasoned vets. It's weird. I'm be- becoming one of the seasoned vets. It's kind of weird. And, um, and I often, when I share these things, I, I change the names to protect the innocent. So you don't have to worry if you've told me something. He's about to say something I've said. I'm not going to do that to you. But here's some things that, I, um, that, that represent a lot of what I've heard in the last year. Uh, here's a comment. I don't know what's going on in my family. I didn't think we are like what is currently happen, happening. We have completely fallen apart from one another. And we don't speak any longer. Another person has said to me, um, frankly, several people, in the essence is this, I'm sad all the time. Um, In fact, it feels, Pastor Dale, like I'm grieving, but I can't really put a finger on what it is that I'm grieving about. Here's one. Um, Well... He just quit. He quit everything. And when he quit, he's crawled into a hole and hauled himself off from all of us, and we can't pull him out of it. He can't break through. Uh, Someone said to me within this year, if I could tell you what's going on inside of me, you'd be afraid for me. I'm afraid for me. I've had this conversation too. This is the first time in my life that I've actually thought about taking my life. I mean, the struggle is real. And uh, I... I have such a strong sense as your pastor that um, when y'all come here, I, I want there to be real help for what we're going through. Because when I read the Gospels, Jesus had this amazing ability to meet people at their point of need and point them toward what they were really, really looking for. Uh, and I think, added to that, I think we're in a collective moment 
in our uh, world history, certainly, certainly even in our American history. I mean, here we are celebrating and remembering, I should say, 9-11. I was reading uh, and studying for this moment. I've been praying about, Lord, when, when can I have this conversation? And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know what? On the 21st anniversary of 9-11, have the conversation. Okay. Uh, one author I'm reading from quotes a guy by the name of Ed Young, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning author writing about this moment in our American history. And he says, uh, really, millions around the world have endured now a couple of years of grief and anxiety, isolation. And look at this phrase, rolling trauma. What is that? He goes on, some of us will never, uh, some of us will recover almost uneventfully, but for others, the quiet moments after the adrenaline fades and a semblance of normalcy resumes may be unexpectedly punishing for some. When we finally get a chance to exhale, our breaths may emerge as a sigh. He finishes, people put their heads down and do whatever they have to do, but suddenly there's an opening and all the feelings come up. I was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, and this is what he said. Um, I, when I come to church on Sundays, he said, I get emotional. And in fact, he said, um, I, don't, I don't even know why. It's the only place it happens to me. Um, so there's a moment, and, and I think we experience the moment differently because here's what I would say, right? We're, we're, we're all different. We're all, we're all built a little different. We're wired different, and we experience all of these things. And I think Ed Young's on to something. I think some of us are going to breeze through all this weird moment that we're in. We're going to get on the other side and look back and go, man, that was awful, but I'm glad it's over. And others of us linger in this terrible dilemma. And it happens because we're all different. Uh, I have a friend of mine uh, who knows I'm a dog person. Any of the dog people in the room? And he is a cat person. Any cat people in the room? Of course, the question is why. <laughs> and uh, he was trying to convince me that I could open my heart a little and be a little bit more of a cat person. And so um, we, were, we were talking about just the differences. And I, I thought of something that somebody sent to me. I want to show you if your animal could text. Have you seen this? Um, if a dog could text, look at this, you, you go, how are things? And they go, OMG, hi, there's so much stuff happening. There was a bird outside and I barked at it. It flew away, so I was scared. I protected the house. Are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? Hello, are you mad at me? That's like a dog, right? If a dog could text. Here's a cat if it texts. You say, how's it going? Red, 2.45 p.m. Meh. <laughs> right, meh. Right? My friend didn't like that much that much. I sent him something else, and this is so great. Look at this is dog's emotion, moody, anxious, excited. Look at the cat. Moody, anxious, excited. They <laughs> all the same. There it is. And uh, yeah, we're all different, right? So we have dogs, cats. How many I'm just curious, uh, how many were in Loxhatchee? How many, how many horse people? Are there horse people in the room? There's some of us. I had a, a friend of mine after the first service said, we didn't have a lot of horse people. And I thought, gosh, we're in Loxahatchee. Shouldn't there be more horse people? And, and she said, you should have asked if they have chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, she's right. She's right. So, uh, yeah, so horse people. Um, here's one. How many camel people are in the room? 
Right now you're going, what is he talking about, right? So one author I'm reading from around all this said, there's an interesting thing about camels. Turns out we should, we're all camel people. Um, camels uh, have this amazing resilience. Uh, they can go without water for almost a month. They can walk hundreds of miles in, uh, you know, uh, sand that would burn our feet. And they show no evidence of giving up. But then out of nowhere, here's the Achilles heel of a camel. It'll sit down. It'll stop. It'll sit down. It'll lay on its side. And it'll die. No joke. If you talk to horse people, they will tell you that a horse tires bit by bit. You can, you can tell the stressors of a horse. A, a camel never does any of that. It just gets to the end and it dies. And um, the author went on to say, hum, the human spirit is much like a camel in this way. We can survive and press through these incredible moments of challenge. And then all of a sudden, we get to the end of that as human beings, and we recognize that something has died within us. Uh, One author right now, a researcher who's studying this kind of thing that we're going through as a world writes this interesting thing. She says, we are learning that as hard as any initial trauma actually is, it's the aftermath that destroys people. So it's almost like right now we're learning what the last two and a half years has done to our soul. And so what I want to tell everyone across our campuses this weekend is that's what makes this conversation so important. Because you're on edge. I'm on edge. We have friends who are on the edge. There's just some stuff that's going on. And and so this is a moment, I think, where we have to learn more about what the message of the gospel actually says to us. And can we trust it? Is it reliable? Is is the good God that is mentioned in the New Testament actually a good God? Is he benevolent? Does he see us? Does he hear our prayers? Can we count on him when it gets tough? And here's what I want to tell you. The answer is yes. But here's my challenge. I think there's more required than what we may know. And I think the casual, easy believism that's going around everywhere these days is like an infection that's blowing through the people of God. And that's why so many of us are struggling. And so I want to be honest and want to be clear. It's your pastor. I want to call us to something deeper. 
that same friend who mentored me a long time ago had another saying when something like this. He said, Dale, don't ever forget, you'll never in your life want a timid doctor or a timid preacher. Neither one of them can do you any good. And uh, I was thinking about how to roll this out, and I can tell I have your attention. Um, And I thought of a passage of Scripture that I shared with the teaching team that we've been talking about. It's it's an orienting verse of Scripture. Uh, And I want to read to you, what I want to do in the remainder of our time, I'm going to read to you the, the whole idea and context, and then I want to zero in on a verse, and I'm going to just strip the verse down and walk us through it. And as we often do in a lot of our teaching at Community of Hope, um, the first message in a series lays a framework that I'm going to build on and we're going to build on as pastors in the coming weeks. Because here's what I want to do. I want to coax every single one of you to come out into the deeper water just a little bit. And uh, Paul is writing in... Um, the New Testament, that's always a pretty easy thing to say. Paul is writing in the New Testament because Paul is always writing in the New Testament. And we remember him as this traitor and terrorist against the Christian faith. And then he becomes this devoted follower of Jesus. And history tells us he writes almost half of the New Testament. And and what he wrote were letters. When we read epistles, we think of them as books. They were just letters. And really what happened back then is Paul would script a letter, and he, and he wrote the churches in Ephesus. These are these tiny little gatherings that he started out, out on the coast. And uh, he was writing from Rome in prison, and he writes these letters, and the letter was most likely, scholars think, curried out to these little gatherings and formally read to the people. And then so he writes this letter called the, uh, to, to the churches in Ephesus, and it's carried out, and, and somebody takes it, and they read it, and then they go to another place, and they stand, and they read it. And that's what they, they were doing. And, um, and so he, he makes this observation in the middle of the book of Ephesians. Now, here's what I want to tell you about this book. It's my favorite book in the New Testament. You probably heard me say that before. And here's why. He's orienting you as a follower of Jesus. So everybody who says they're a follower of Jesus, he's orienting you to the Christian faith. It's almost like the book is a, you are here. You ever gone to the mall and you're lost and you go, where are we at? You know, my family, we were up in Boston last week for a family wedding. And man, if, if the GPS didn't work, I'd be dead about 50 times over because I got lost. You know, I could get lost so easy. But he's orienting. And what, he, what he's doing is he's, he's reminding uh, followers of Christ uh, what God did in the past. Here's everything God did in the past. So we can remember he's good, he's benevolent, he's present, he's there. And then, and then at the end, Paul tells us how it ends. He said, so here, here it is at the end. This is what's going to happen. So we know it's good. We know good things are coming. We know that he wins. We know that all of his promises are true. And because we now know the past, and because we now know the future, we can be oriented around the present moment we find ourselves in. And let me just tell you, a lot of people that I've talked to over the last couple years have said things like this. I feel 
lost. I just feel like I can't get my feet on the ground to really orient exactly where I am. So this is a perfect moment. And then right in the very middle of this letter, he offers a prayer. Here's the prayer. Now, I want to read the prayer, and then there's a verse in the prayer we're going to focus on. But here's the whole prayer. Paul says, for this reason, for this reason of orienting the past, telling you about the future, for this reason I say all this, he says, I now kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's orienting us. And when we know our past and we know some stuff about the future, we can live in the present. Uh, many of y'all know, like I wasn't here last weekend, I did two weddings. I did a church wedding in St. Augustine for Caleb and Natalie Walls, Walls family's dear friends, precious part of our church. Then uh, we drove a rental car back to Orlando, got there at around 11.30, went to bed around midnight, the alarm went off at 3 to catch a flight to Boston for my niece's wedding. We were not going to miss that. She's the last one. All the, all the brothers we have now, we got all of our debit cards back. Yeah, they're on their own. <laughs> Victory. And, uh, and so I took, we all went as a family. I took my family and I said, um, when we go up there, I'm going to, I want to show you where, where, where our family comes from. My, my dad was actually from Massachusetts and if you go up into, Mass, uh, into New Hampshire, there's a town called Rye, Rye Beach, New Hampshire. Just off of Rye Beach, New Hampshire, there's a little place called Locks Neck. It's on a road, the one road through town called Lock Street. And all of my, my family's buried there that we go all the way back to the 1600s. I kid you not. So I said, we're going to go and we're going to look in the cemetery. I want to show you. I took a picture. I took my family. Here we are in the cemetery. Both of the husbands of these ladies apparently were talking offline when I couldn't hear them and saying, I have gone to more cemeteries on this vacation than I've ever been to cemeteries in my life. And one of them who will remain nameless said, is this what you guys do when you have a vacation? So, because I wanted him to know the past. But there's a verse in what Paul is saying. I want to show you this verse. It's verse 16. I want you to read it out loud with me. Here's the foundation. You ready? You ready? Here it is. Let's read it. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's real Christianity. 
And um, I want you to notice some things here. First of all, Paul says, I pray. So Paul believed that God was living, active, present, available. Like when you pray, it's not a ritual thing. He hears you. He's present. Now, this guy who was a terrorist against the church, who becomes this follower of Jesus, was fully convinced that when you pray, God hears. Now, we can just stop right there because, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. But I want you to notice, and here's the foundation we're going to build on. Paul says, I pray, look at this, out of what? His glorious riches. Okay, not you. Not your strength. Let me tell you what Christianity is not. You know what it's not? It's not you trying harder. Some of you right now, that's, that's the price of admission. That's why you came. It's not you trying harder. It's, it's, it's you praying to God who provides out of his glorious riches. I got to just tell you this. I don't mean this in a bad way. So we went to Rye Beach. I drove him down the coast. Rye, Hampton, Gloucester, Swampscott. And then we get to this little town up there called Salem. You ever heard of Salem? Where they did the witch trials? I, I took them. I took my family. We stayed in the hotel. My daddy took, uh, went to his senior prom in. I, I said, We're gonna, let's, let's, let's go stay there. We're rooting around, looking if he left his name anywhere. He didn't. You know. But um, if you come out of the, the Hawthorne Hotel, I think it was, look across the street, here's the, the witch museum. So in my family, I'll tell you, when Beth and I travel, here's my assignment. When, when, when the alarm goes off in the morning, I have to forage for coffee. Men, give it up. I go find the coffee. Where's coffee? And so I, I went to find coffee. I get on the elevator with this guy. He said, hi, how are you? I said, how are you doing? He said, yeah, I'm here. Are you, are you here just touring around? I said, yes, I'm touring around. And he said, we're here too. We came up. He said, my wife has come to Salem to get a reading. And I went, really? Interesting. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, uh, we went over there. We scheduled it. We're going to go over to this little place. And this lady's going to you know, put the cards out. And she's going to read, tell us everything that's going on in our life. We got our life. And when we got there, he said, um, the, the lady who was to check us in was upset because the lady didn't show up. She keeps not showing up to do the readings. And it's messing everything up because she just doesn't show up. And I was fighting the urge to say, well, if you guys are fortune tellers, wouldn't you have known she wasn't showing up? Come on. I worked this whole sermon around that observation. I was like, I was like you should get your money back, and here's our card. I'm going to be talking about you next Sunday at our church. It's not your wisdom. It's not anybody else's wisdom. It's his glorious riches. Think about Jesus at the first wedding that he ever went to. And he turned water into wine. He took their lack and he gave them his abundance. Do you believe that Jesus could meet you where you're lacking and give you 
out of his abundance. And that, watch this, that it may strengthen you with power through his spirit. When Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Now watch this. He said, who will not only be with you, he will live in you. Quick question. When you pray, do you pray to a God in the sky by and by? Or to his spirit that is living within you as a follower of Jesus? I mean, wasn't it the Apostle Paul who wrote, God is not far from any one of us? Power through his spirit in your inner being. Your inner being. Your soul. You have a soul. You have a soul that God wants to fill with his divine resilience. This ought to be our prayer. Oh, Lord, would you fill me with divine resilience? Not my power, not my strength, not my wisdom. His wisdom. Let me close with this. Many of us, um, well, there it goes. Never mind. I don't know if you've noticed, Lynn's is really bigger than me. A lot of times we're like, don't tick Lynn's off. He's bigger than me. Um, can I just do this real quick? Real, real, real quick. Thanks. <laughs> most of us live in what one author says, we live in the shallows most of our lives. You think 10,000 thoughts a day. You're driving down the road, you see a squirrel, it reminds you of your dog, and it reminds you of your friend who has cats. You can't remember why he has cats. He doesn't really understand cats. This is where many of us live. Jesus said we should be careful if we live in the Midlands, which is the concerns of our day. Lord, how is she going to do this? Where will we live? How can I afford that? I had a young, precious couple in our church recently say, will I ever own my own home? I have a friend who said, we've had so many miscarriages. Am I going to have a baby? But Paul is talking about the depths, the longing right now in our soul that God wants to meet us at to give us resilience so we can persevere and prevail and overcome and endure. 
You don't have to give up. You just need to be filled up. Lynn, you can have it now. <laughs> Let's stand. Here's what I want to do. Here's how we're going to close, and then they're going to lead us in a song. We'll be done. Um, put your hands out like this. We're all going to ask God to give us what we need. We're just going to ask him to meet us here in his power and his presence and to give us right now what we need. Lord, we are your people. You, we, we are trying to manifest the faith that Paul had. You hear us right now. You love us. You are for us, not against us. You will never leave us. You're with us. You're here. And we ask you right now to meet us at our greatest point of need. And here's what I want us collectively to do. You and your heart right now before God, tell them what you need. Tell them what you need right now. Lord, I need, I need this. This is going on in my life. Lord, this is crushing me. Meet me right now in the midst of that. Give me in what I'm lacking of your glorious riches that I may dwell, my heart may dwell in you through faith. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you meet us at that point of need and that you teach us in this series how to have spiritual resilience. And I pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. So I pray, so I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God, might that be true, not just for some of us, might that be true for all of us? For we pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, uh, amen. I want to remind you, we have folks here that would love to pray with you. If you have an individual concern, you need that added sense of community, they're here and would love to do that with you. I want you to go in his grace. We're going to build from here. We'll see you next weekend. God bless.